is here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Mark Levin here, our number 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. Well, I'm going to jump into this. We touched on it last night, that is, the Eagles, the NFL, because it's bigger than the Eagles and the NFL at this point. And I'm going to read you part of a piece in Politico of all places which demonstrates that this was a complete setup by the ownership and the team members of the Philadelphia Eagles. The owner of the Philadelphia Eagles, his name is Lurie. He's a kook and a radical leftist. The idiot mayor of Philadelphia is a kook and a radical leftist. I'm from Philadelphia. I'm a fan of the Eagles, but tonight less so. I also happen to know there's some players on that team who don't want to get involved in all this, who are patriotic men, but they're in the minority in terms of numbers. And I heard a gentleman on uh, cable who said, look, most of the league is black, and this is the way they feel about Trump. Now, perhaps that's a stereotype. I don't know. But you see this issue of race and this issue of progressivism have now bled into the NFL. Because this is what the left does. They destroy everything. And they will destroy the National Football League. There are not only other leagues out there, but people can watch college football. They can watch high school football. There's a whole new genre of sports out there called eSports that I've been watching. My son Chase turned me on to that. And that could well be the future. It's not the politicization of football. It is, if I may coin a word, the progressivization of football. And so now, freedom is defined through race and egalitarianism and all the other issues that the progressives use in the rest of society and the culture. So those of you who who turn on football as a break from all the rest, as a break from the news, as a break from politics. You just want to get lost in the game? Well, you can't anymore. These players and their union are self-destructive. And what the Eagles, management, and players tried to do to this president, sabotage this event, is a disgrace is a disgrace. And now LeBron James and Steph Curry and this guy Steve Kerr, we're not coming to the White House. You know, I don't think the President of the United States should invite any more professional teams to the White House. He could invite college teams, high school teams. The White House belongs to all of us. Not to LeBron James, even though he thinks he owns everything on the court, he doesn't own everything. Or Steph Curry. Or Steve Kerr. All of them obviously have been 
heavily, heavily uh, victimized by our society. Now, according to Politico, Annie Carney and Christopher Caldago, the Philadelphia Eagles have treated the White House very unfairly. That's how the bungled celebration for the underdog Super Bowl champions abruptly canceled by the president Monday night. Less than 20, they like their run on sentences. Less than 24 hours before the Rose Garden event was set to take place is being portrayed by staffers in the West Wing. Last week, the Eagles submitted 81 names of players who were planning to visit the White House. Press Secretary Sarah Huckabee Sanders said in a statement, The team was full steam ahead, another administration official said, for an event that had been in the works since February. But on Monday, yesterday, the White House was informed that the delegation had been reduced to just two or three players, the owner and the team's beloved mascot, Swoop. So, of course, the president canceled it. This is complete and utter disrespect for the institution of the presidency. They would never have done this Barack Obama. Hell, they never did it to Bill Clinton, despite the fact that he was a predator. Let me, let me explain how these guys and their owners, not all the owners, by the way, I know some of them who are actually quite solid, but Lurie is not one of them. So some of the owners and most of the players live in a bubble. Millions and millions of, of take this as an absolute affront. We don't care if they protest anywhere else on any other song. But the national anthem is the national anthem for a reason. When the national anthem is played in other countries by military bands or military orchestras, when it's played in other countries, when the President of the United States is there, the vast majority of us are proud. And we stand and we put our hand over our heart. And we get a tingling feeling, not up our leg, but down our spine. Why is that? Because we love the United States military. The fact that there are men and women who are putting their lives on the line to protect us. We love our country. We are not malcontents, the vast majority of us, or we wouldn't be here. And we also know that a country is defined by its people. So when we have elitists whether they be college professors, whether they be senior officials in the Democrat Party, whether they be hosts, so-called journalists on cable TV, or whether they be football players and owners who cannot get their act together. It is an attack on us, we the people. National anthem isn't the national anthem that's just there. It's not like a tree or a puddle of water. It's not a thing of nature. It's something we as a country put together. It's something as we as a country unite behind. And so when you have these forces that seek to divide us and to use the national anthem to do so, it is unacceptable. When they use the national anthem for political purposes to advance, let me, let me change that. Conservatives do not use the national anthem for political purposes. They don't get on their knee. They never did when Obama was president. They never did. It's inappropriate. These players have been told time and time again, 
that is offensive to men and women in the military, active duty. It is offensive to our veterans, the vast majority. It's offensive to their families. It is offensive to most of the fans, and they don't care. They don't care. And for them, it's you can't tell us what to do. We don't live on a plantation. You can't tell us what to do. We have free speech rights, too. This has nothing to do with free speech rights under the First Amendment. The government's not involved. The government doesn't own the NFL. These teams are owned by individuals or companies. They are not owned by the government. The government's not interfering. So these aren't free speech rights any more than you in your workplace have a right to demonstrate for social justice against the police or whatever the cause celeb is of a given day. The Philadelphia Eagles are destroying their brand. Millions of Americans who do not live in Philadelphia were rooting for the Philadelphia Eagles to defeat the Patriots. Not all, of course, but my point is that they were attracting even a wider audience than, the, than in the city. They were the underdogs, and they won. Now they've taken sides. Now they brought progressivism, not politics. Progressivism. Onto the football field. Leftism. Social justice. And in every walk of life, now we're supposed to embrace progressivism. In every walk of life, we're supposed to accept that America is at its heart and in its soul a racist society. In every walk of life, we have to accept the fact that there's inequality in this country. Well, of course there is. The issue is whether there's inequality under justice, not whether there's inequality, period. You want absolute equality or the closest thing you can get, you ought to move to North Korea. And, of course, the players ought to give up their salaries. And same with the sportscasters who cover them. I am sick and tired of being lectured by these players, by certain owners, by sportscasters. I am sick and tired of them telling us you have to put your patriotism aside, your love of country aside, and just understand what these men on the field are trying to do. I understand what they're trying to do. They're destroying the game. They're besmirching the national anthem, and they're trashing our country. That's exactly right. There are some people who put their lives on their line for this country. And then there are those who make millions and millions of dollars and put their knees on the ground to protest whatever it is they're protesting. No respect for the American people. None. You talk about egomaniacs. You talk about narcissists. You're talking about LeBron James. You're talking about Steve Curry. Uh, Steph Curry. You're talking about Steve Kerr. They need to pop up, you see, and say, well, no, we don't agree with this. Gives a crap. Who cares? It's truly appalling. Absolutely appalling. And the little bubble in the sports world, they don't get it. This is about, I don't know. What social injustice is it? 
Do they even agree on what social injustice they're talking about? No, they don't. And Kaepernick attacking the cops. This may come as a shock to the elitists in Washington, D.C., in Manhattan, in Los Angeles. We like the cops. The American people like our police officers. We need our police officers. We want our police officers. Everybody doesn't hate the cops. Everybody doesn't think the cops are racist. Well, Mark, that's because you've never been stopped. Of course I've been stopped. I don't know of any American who hasn't been stopped. And every time I've been stopped, two or three times for speeding when I was a teenager and a young adult, they were right and I was wrong. They were right and I was wrong. Does that mean they're always right? No. But just as you don't stereotype about a race, a religion, a sex, you don't stereotype the cops either. But the truth is, you want to keep protesting during the national anthem? You want to keep protesting during the national anthem that you could take your union, your football, and your football field and shove it where the sun doesn't shine. Mark in. If the football players in their union and some of their owners force Americans to choose between their country and the local football team, they're going to pick their country. I don't think this union and these players and some of these owners understand that there is a sleeping giant out there called the American people. And the more you poke us in the eye, the more you rub our nose in your progressive ideology, the more we're going to respond. You will not get any sympathy from us. And I feel bad for some of the owners who've tried to reach this, this policy to try and accommodate the players without offending the American people. But the players won't allow it. The players won't allow it. If football players think that their uniforms and their helmets and their pads and all the rest make them different from radicals of the 1960s, Or radicals today. They're wrong. They're absolutely wrong. Just because they play football and dress differently. Just because they have the career that they have. Doesn't mean they don't offend millions and millions of Americans. Oh, they offend us all right. They offend us big time. We don't like being lectured by egomaniacal narcissists who've been treated like kings their entire college careers and their football careers. We don't like being talked down to. We don't like being lectured. We know patriotism and we know this country. And we know how magnificent this place is. You've got some problems with it? Then go deal with it. You want to be a social justice warrior? Then go ahead. There's a time and place for everything. 
and you've picked the wrong time and you picked the wrong place. You've decided to hijack your sport, undermine your league, undermine the sensible owners, and rub the American people's face in it. Not politics, ladies and gentlemen, progressivism. There's not a single conservative on that football field who's taking a knee. They're all leftists. They're all liberals. They're all social justice warriors. Because America sucks, you see? Now this union put out a statement saying NFL players love their country, support our troops, give back to their communities, and strive to make America a better place. And uh, who cares? That's called citizenship. Who cares? But that's not the point. The point is what they're doing is unacceptable. What they're doing is unacceptable. And I would argue most of them or many of them don't love the country. Otherwise, why take a knee at the national anthem? Which is a a display, a celebration of the country. If they love the country, then why do they purposely, purposely protest during the national anthem? It's like Obama fundamentally transforming America while he loves the country. We're not buying it. We're not stupid. I'll be right back. Levin, America's passionately cerebral voice. Talk with that voice now. 877-381-3811. You know, the quickest way to turn off somebody like me is to keep trying to pressure me to have a guest. And I'm being pressured now to have a guest during the course of the program. I'm not getting involved in the congressional primary where I live. I can't stand either candidate. One of them has betrayed our principles, and the other one has the gall to come to my front door and leave messages. I don't even know how they got my phone number on my private phone, which shows me a complete lack of judgment. So I'm not getting involved in either. And if the gentleman writes me one more time, I will talk about it on the air. And him. So cut it out. Sorry I had to do that. Let's get back, if we must, to the NFL and the Eagles. And I speak as somebody who grew up in Philadelphia. As you know, I was rooting for the Eagles the whole time. But it's country first, ladies and gentlemen. And the disrespect to trying to show uh, to, um, to undermine the president in an event like this... And by the way, we have, uh, I want you to listen to this. Other uh, athletes have jumped in too. And, other, and, and we have a coach, this guy, uh, Steve Kerr, feels that he has to open his big fat mouth too. First, here is uh, Steve Kerr, who is the uh, coach of the uh, Warriors. Cut 13, go. Um, it's not surprising. Uh, I think, um, you know, the president has made, made it pretty clear he's going to try to divide us, all of us in this country for political gain. Um, so, um, it's just the way it is. Uh, I think, 
um, you know, we all look forward to the day when it can we can go back to just having a celebration of. Ah, athletic. shut up, you idiot! Just bounce the ball and shoot it in the hoops. Got to listen to this guy. Sounds like a fool on CNN or MSNBC. That's why this is turning the American people up. What next? The NBA? Is that the next one to go? Well, if LeBron James has his way, it is the next one to go. He should focus on trying to win a game. The greatest basketball player ever. No, he isn't. Jordan's the greatest basketball player ever, in my humble opinion. And don't call me. Don't call me, Ohio. I don't care. The other thing Jordan had was class. He knew to stay the hell out of politics. LeBron James looks for opportunities to get involved in politics. Because he's a social warrior, top of everything else, don't you know? Greatest social warrior we've ever had. Cut 14, go. Do you have any comment on Trump uninviting uh, the Eagles to White House after most of the black players decided not to go? Now, see that? Race. It's race. So it's Trump being a racist because most of the black players decided not to go. Go ahead. Oh, well, I just I actually just found out about it when I was walking up to the podium. I ain't really digested enough, but um, it's typical of him. I mean, I'm not surprised. Um, I'm just, you know, typical of him. And um, what, oh, 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 what, what's typical of him? You're talking about the president. What's typical of him? You don't even have the facts. You just said you walked up to the podium. According to this Politico, the Eagles decided at the last minute most of them wouldn't go. They'd send the, uh, what is it, the guy dressed up. They'd set up that, the mascot and the owner. There, there, he's the mascot too, dressed up as an owner. And a couple of players. LeBron James, so it's typical of what? Trump? Trump didn't do anything, genius. Go ahead. I mean... I mean, I know no matter who wins this series, no, one's, no one wants to invite anyway, so it won't be Golden State or Cleveland going. Oh, wow. There's your social warrior. Another social warrior, Steph Curry. Cut 15, go. I agree with Brian. Um, pretty sure. Now, now, these two were talking smack to each other the other night. But they're united here, see, on the hate for Trump. I agree with Brian. Started from the top. I agree with Bron. Um, pretty sure uh, the way we handled things last year kind of stayed consistent with that. Um, but at the end of the day, uh, like I said, every team has an opportunity to make a decision for themselves and, and speak for themselves. And and uh, I think that's powerful um, you know, being in, in this situation. What's powerful? What's powerful? Being in what situation? So progressivism now is working its way into the NBA. It has enveloped the NFL. Now it's working its way into the NBA. Dressed up as race. As race. Now here's Stephen A. Smith on first take today. His comments on this. Hap tip, Breitbart, cut 16, go. 
Donald Trump has the NFL in the palm of his hands. He can do whatever he wants to them right now because of the positions they've taken or the positions they refuse to take preceding the whole Colin Kaepernick thing. The fact that he has a constituency, we want to sit up there and we want to, we, we, we want to, the man got over 62 million votes. You got a lot of folks out there who are patrons of the NFL product. Mm. The NFL, a matter of fact, some of the NFL owners are his friends. And make no mistake about it, the constituency they cater to, the, 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 the patrons that they cater to, a lot of them are were Trump voters. He knows it. He took the position that he took. Yep. You could call it a diversionary tactic or whatever the case may be. But what it comes down to is that the power of influence matters. He has it, particularly over them, because he knows what they tried to do. He knows what he wants to do. More importantly, he knows how to do it better than them. And he's got them. But do you know what? Because they, they folded to him. That is uh, pretty on the point. But I notice, putting aside Stephen A. and a handful, a very small handful of other sports broadcasters, they don't want to address this issue of race that keeps coming up, being brought up by the players, being brought up by media types, white and black and in between, on behalf of the players. This is about race? It's about race? And why would it be about race? As far as Trump is concerned. What has Trump done that's racist? Drive unemployment down among the American people to like a half century low? Drive unemployment down among African Americans lower than anybody's ever seen? Lower than any president, not just in my lifetime, ever, including Barack Obama? What exactly is it that makes Trump a racist? The fact that left-wing kook professors and left-wing kook Democrats go on TV and accuse him of it? What's the evidence? What's the evidence? And that's part of the problem here. Not only the disrespect for the national anthem, and that disrespect cuts across all racial categories. Last time I checked, there were black men and women, Hispanic men and women, Asian men and women, white men and women in the United States military and in our police forces. The days of a segregated military and police force are over. And they've been over for a long, long time. In fact, the military integrated long before any other institution in this country until a Democrat, Woodrow Wilson, was elected president, a progressive. And he resegregated the military, not to mention the civil service. A Democrat. Donald Trump hasn't even thought about something like that. So what is it? I'll tell you what it is in part. I'll cut through the crap for you. A lot of these guys, a lot of these athletes, think they're Hollywood. They've gone Hollywood. 
No, they're not actors or so forth, although some of them could be or might be one day. But they're just as popular, if not more so, than actors. So they've gone Hollywood. And all their talk about the neighborhood and all their talk about the streets, the fact of the matter is you won't find most of them in the neighborhood and you won't find most of them in the streets. You won't find most of them living in Camden, New Jersey or Newark, New Jersey or East Palo Alto or you name your city. No, you won't. You won't find most of them going home where they were raised. That's fine. You're going to find them somewhere else. Having excelled and succeeded in their professions. They've done what anybody else would do, regardless of race. They moved up from a poor, poor neighborhood to a rich, rich neighborhood. And the fact of the matter is, a lot of these guys, they're around the media all the time, have gone Hollywood. And they could talk all they want about social justice and spend their summers on social justice. But that's not how they spend their lives. That's not how they spend their careers. They are represented by a union that has as its purpose to protect them and to get them as much money as possible. Some of these players, as an aggregate, own more than 50% of their sport. Own more than 50% of their sport. As a group. So they've gone Hollywood. They sound like these actors and actresses. And they hang around these actors and actresses. And they hang around the quote-unquote beautiful people. And they hang around quote-unquote the elites. They're not hanging around blue-collar workers. Very few of them. It's not about race, ladies and gentlemen, even though, of course, the progressives always want to make it about race or some group issue. It's about elitism. Elitism. LeBron James is an elite player. Steph Curry is an elite player. Steve Kerr is an elite coach. It's about elitism. Not about race. And these elitists, whether they're in Hollywood, whether they're in Washington, whether they're in Greenwich Village, or whether they're on a basketball court or a football field, say the same thing, don't they? They live in one world, and they talk about America as if it's a different world. I'm tired of cutting these guys slack. Like they're out there saving America or doing something heroic. No, they're not. They're progressives. They talk like progressives. They think like progressives. They may not know it. Some of them. Some of them do. They've gone Hollywood. I'll be right back. Lovin. show you what great humanitarians these football players are lebron james and steph curry let me show you what great humanitarians they are they are going to screw up their legs for the next generation of athletes they don't even have respect for their own profession 
This is why I respect the generation that preceded them. This is why I respect the generation of athletes that preceded them. LeBron James is about LeBron James. Oh, Mark, he's going to take... Listen to me. He's not thinking about the NBA 10 years from now. These football players who are doing this, they're not thinking about the NFL 10 years from now. The fans, the young... They don't give a crap. They're on a mission, you see. They're on a mission. They're on a progressive mission. America sucks in so many respects, or at least in one respect, I guess. The cops... And we're not only going to disrespect the national anthem, but we're going to do it because we believe in the national anthem, but we're going to disrespect this president too. They haven't done a damn thing except make it harder and harder and harder for kids in high school, for kids in college. They're going to drive down wages, drive down benefits, drive away fans. They don't care about the institution. They don't care about the institution that players before them built. And the fan base is passed on from one generation to the next. That's why you have people rooting for this team or another team. A father and a son, a mother and a daughter, a grandfather and a grandson, so forth and so on. If you're a grandfather, you're my age, or a father, and you see what's going on, you're embarrassed. You don't even want to take your kid. Or your grandkid. These selfish, narcissistic, egomaniacal, multimillionaire athletes could give a damn. They don't give a damn what comes behind them. Or they wouldn't be conducting themselves this way. I'm telling you, they've gone Hollywood. They're elitists. They're narcissists. And they're dressing up as civil rights leaders. It's a joke. It's pathetic. You know, as high schoolers graduate, are they heading to places where they'll they'll learn why America is the world's freest nation? That we're the first country founded on the principle that all men are created equal? Maybe this, this course should be taught to all the athletes. Will they be taught the Constitution, our rich history, or what makes America great? There's a place where students study these truths, Hillsdale College. At Hillsdale, students study what is true, good, and beautiful. By putting in the work to understand these things, students graduate ready to lead. As Vice President Pence said at commencement this year, Hillsdale students learn not what to do, but what to be. Hillsdale also offers its stellar education to you, my wonderful listeners. You can go to Primus, free online courses like Constitution 101. Every American can learn to like a Hillsdale, can learn like a Hillsdale student from the same professors. And most remarkably of all, Hillsdale provides this service to our nation without taking a single penny of taxpayer money. Not one penny. I encourage you to learn how Hillsdale can serve you at a website just from you, my listeners. LevinforHillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. And may I indulge you, because this goes on for a couple of weeks here, 12 days, something like that. If you wouldn't mind, if you're of the mind... I'd like you to take a vote. The National Radio Hall of Fame is encouraging you to participate in the selection of their Hall of Fame inductees. And they nominated me for one of the categories. And so I want to encourage you to vote. 
that's how they want to do this process, then that's what we'll do. So if you can, if you have your, uh, your cell phone, you can text the number 500 to 96000. The number 500 to 96000, only one vote per cell phone. But you can also vote online, we're told. So you really have two votes on two platforms. I told you, Chicago rules, but everybody's doing it. It's okay. The Hall of Fame told us. So you can go to RadioVote.com, RadioVote.com. One vote per email address. You have to vote in both categories. So there's a category I have nothing to do with. You've got to either vote or abstain there. Then you go to the next category. I'm there. If you'll click on my name or my photo, I would appreciate it. So that's 500 to 96000 text or RadioVote.com. God bless. We'll be right back. Broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, Now, I want to move on, but a couple of thoughts. We need to remember that 90-plus percent of the NFL players have never taken a knee. Have probably never even considered taking a knee. It's about 10%. Most of the owners are not into this knee-taking stuff. You got Jeffrey Lurie. The owner of the Eagles and this guy that owns the 49ers. I can't even remember his name. These are the two uh, leaders of the left-wing pack. And so they screw it up for everybody else. But it's the 10%, the big mouths. The big mouths who get the attention. And this Lurie who is trying to sabotage Trump. So the players union ought to be talking up about the 90%. But it doesn't. And let me repeat what I said earlier. These uh, progressives dressed up as football players. I don't care if they wear suits, if they're ragtag, or they wear football uniforms. Same thing. They do not appreciate, they do not respect the players who came before them and helped build their game and helped build the league. And they do not respect and they don't care about the players who are going to come behind them. As they chase off fans and damage these, these leagues. And now LeBron James and Steph Curry, who've gone Hollywood, they're elitists. These aren't blue-collar guys. These aren't guys working the hood. These are frauds, phonies, when it comes to uh, their ideology and their politics. I said they're frauds and phonies. They're doing the same thing. They're going to trigger the same thing in the NBA. Give a damn about the men who came before them or the men who would come after them. And I got to tell you, these two guys lost my respect. 
absolutely lost my respect. I don't care how many three-pointers Steph Curry can hit. I don't care how many 40-point games LeBron James has. The debate about the greatest player is over now. It's not LeBron James. You know why? In order to be the greatest player, you have to be the greatest leader. In order to be the greatest leader, you have to be the greatest statesman. Jordan was a leader. Jordan was a statesman. He knew what to comment on. He knew when to comment on it. He wanted nothing to do with politics. Constantly, Democrats were trying to get this guy to say something. He wouldn't do it. He had too much respect for the league, too much respect for the other players, too much respect for the fans and the American people. Whatever his views are personally, whatever his politics is, he kept it off the court. But not LeBron James now. He's leading the cause. And Steph Curry. And Steve Kerr. Oh, yeah. I don't even know what the hell their cause is, but there you are. They hate Trump. That's their cause. No different than Hollywood actors. No different than MSNBC hosts. No different than CNN hosts. Just in a different different field, different profession, different career. But no different. Same stupid comments. Predictable talking points. And I want to know how Trump has demonstrated himself to be a racist. What has he done exactly? What has he done? Nothing that demonstrates that he's a racist. Not one damn thing. That he's supposed to roll over. He's not supposed to fight back. The Democrat Party was the party of slavery. The Democrat Party was the party of segregation. All those southern governors, they were Democrats. All those southern congressmen and senators who voted against one civil rights law after another, Democrats. Democrats. But that's okay, you see, because now they're big-time progressives and they believe in redistributing wealth and blah, 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 blah. So all is forgiven. They play people. That's what they do in that party. They play people, one against the other, one group against the other. So people are busy fighting with each other rather than trying to get ahead, in my humble opinion. So we should remember that the vast majority of the football players are not involved in this and get almost no attention. That's true. One more thing on this. I want you to listen to the idiot mayor of Philadelphia. The idiot mayor of Philadelphia, Jim Kenney. Loathsome buffoon. And this just points out what I'm saying. It underscores it. These left-wing politicians have to jump in. So they're arm-in-arm, shoulder-in-shoulder with these players. Because they're all progressives, leftists. Whether they know it or not. Here's the mayor of Philadelphia on CNN Today. Cut 11, go. Do you feel that some of the players, even if they disagreed with the president should have gone to the White House in a show of unity. Maybe take the opportunity to make your case directly to the president. I don't know how you make your case to a child uh, who acts childish, who changes his opinion and his statements every single day. 
Uh, now, by the way, listen to this low IQ nobody. Go ahead. Frightens me more than I was frightened in 1968 uh, during the height of the Vietnam War. Um, and uh, the what? guy is just a scary guy. And um, I, I, I don't know. I don't. Hopefully, by the time he's this gone, is a re- rambling idiot. Philadelphia, what are you electing a rambling idiot for your mayor here? I know you've had rambling idiots before. This guy seems to take the cake. Go ahead. This from this mess. Uh, but uh, this is a bad time in our country. What specifically are you frightened about here? I'm frightened about the fact that he has his hands on the nuclear codes that he. What? What? Go ahead. To, to, you know, to annihilate North Korea. Ah, shut up, you idiot. Mayor of Philadelphia. It's embarrassing. As a child of Philadelphia, as a product of Philadelphia, listen to this clown. This, this complete jackass. So he's worried that our president has access to nuclear weapons. Not the North Koreans, not the Iranians, not the Chinese, not the Russians. No, our president. Guy's just a lowlife. Now, you want to hear how stupid he is? Go to cut 12, please. Go. Do you think there is a legitimate discussion to be had about how athletes uh, behave during the national a- anthem? Athletes are, Ameri- athletes are American citizens who have the right, the First Amendment right to express their Well, there views. you go. Here's an idiot. This has nothing to do with the First Amendment. Nothing at all to do with the First Amendment. This isn't the government. This guy's a mayor who's supposed to uphold the Constitution. He doesn't even know what the First Amendment's about. Freedom of speech. Here, let's try this tomorrow, Philadelphia. All of those of you who work in the, uh, for the mayor. I want you to go up to the mayor and call him names. I want you to take a knee. I want you to wave flags right in the workplace there. And if he says, look, I'm going to have to fire you, say, hey, I have a First Amendment right. I have a First Amendment right. You can't do that. And here's the kicker. That is government. You have a First Amendment right. And yet you do not have a First Amendment right to disrupt that workplace. In the case of football, it has nothing to do with the First Amendment. You're an employee. I know these Hollywood football players may not get it. Maybe LeBron doesn't get it. LeBron, I know you think you coach your team and you own your team. You're an employee, pal. Steve Kerr, you're an employee, pal. You're all employees. First Amendment doesn't apply to you. Your contract applies to you. And here you have the idiot mayor of Philadelphia. And he is an idiot mayor. Okay, a lot more to get to. We're going to move on from this. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. You know, I feel dumber just listening to that mayor in Philadelphia. So we're done with him. I'm not going to address him any further. People of Philadelphia can do that. Um, I've brought up the point now that Mr. Mueller's appointment is unconstitutional. I thought I made it clear on Hannity last night. The appointment of all special counsel 
<laughs> is not unconstitutional. <coughs> Excuse me. It depends on how the special counsel is appointed. Whether the special counsel is appointed as a principal officer of the United States government or whether he's appointed or she as a uh, inferior officer of the United States government, just to make it easy, whether he or she's appointed in a position that is equivalent to a U.S. attorney or an assistant U.S. attorney. The former requires a nomination by the president and confirmation by the Senate. The latter requires nothing, just like two million other people in the civil service. So it depends on what the mandate is and how the appointment was made. And in the case of Rosenstein, he gave Mr. Mueller such a broad mandate and has broadened it since. And Mr. Mueller has broadened it on his own by expanding the authority of at least four of his subordinates by giving them assistant United States attorney status, that Mr. Mueller is a principal officer of the federal government. When he was given his appointment, there wasn't a single criminal statute mentioned. There wasn't a single individual mentioned. There wasn't a single violation suggested. It was just investigate Russian interference with our election and whether or not the Trump campaign colluded in so many words. That's a mandate that is so broad, as you can see, that Mr. Mueller has brought it far beyond that. Mr. Mueller is investigating mostly matters that have nothing to do with that. And the indictments he has brought uh, mostly have nothing to do with that, too. So what is he? He is a principal officer of the United States government. Doesn't mean every special counsel is, but he is. Even Ken Starr had specific areas of responsibility, specific criminal statutes that were mentioned. The other point is oversight. That's another critical issue. The case we're referring to here by making these elemental points is Marson versus Olson. A case that's about 30 years old, is 30 years old, 1988. And there are certain elements that are necessary to determine if somebody is a principal officer or an inferior officer. Now, somehow, many of the lawyers and some of the hosts on cable TV, including my favorite Fox, have missed this point or ignore it. And so they go on with the mantra as if they're Steve Kerr or LeBron James, uh, and go on with the mantra about, you know, what is this? You don't know what you're talking about here. Well, I'm the senior judicial analyst for the Mark Levin Show. I know exactly what I'm talking about. I've studied the Constitution my entire life. I admit I was not a lower court New Jersey judge, but so what? What do they know? No offense. But here on uh, The Morning Schmo, which is the show for the uh, low IQ, people with low IQs, they love The Morning Schmo, and also the, uh, the North Korean generals. It's their favorite show. And, of course, people who like the movie uh, Deliverance, as The Morning Schmo reminds them of the banjo player on the bridge. Uh, here we go, The Morning Schmo. We have Mika Brzezinski, the Ed McMahon of the show, if you will. Um, yes, tell him. Yes. Ho, ha, ho. That's her contribution to the show. Cut seven. Go. President Trump tweeted yesterday morning. Uh, he said this. The appointment of the special counsel is totally unconstitutional. Despite that, we play the game because I, unlike the Democrats, <clears throat> 
have done nothing wrong. That's a different take from President Trump about special prosecutors from back in 2016 when he was talking about Hillary Clinton. We are going to get a special prosecutor to figure this deal out. I will ask my attorney general to appoint a special prosecutor. Special prosecutor. Here we come, right? I win. We're going to appoint a special prosecutor. Good Lord. Why, John Mm -hmm. Island, that's fascinating. He says it's unconstitutional and yet... That was an applause line. Every, I mean, every bit as loud of an applause there is build that wall. Also, haven't the president's Republican allies in Congress been talking about a second special counsel to investigate Hillary Clinton's rabbits and cats and goats and chinchillas or whatever? I mean, just yeah. wildly distracting yeah. from the first special prosecutor, but doing it. At Donald Trump's bidding, Joe. I think you're. You're. I know you often say you're a simple country lawyer, but I think your your training, your legal your legal training, has been a little bit inadequate. You were. Uh, they were. You were misinformed. There are. In fact, two parallel constitutions to the United States, and one of the constitution that covers um, Hillary Clinton, and there's yes. another constitution that covers all others. And you know, this is the kind of discussion that would occur in most Starbucks across the nation. Two morons. Impressed with each other. Let me try and help the clown that is John Heilman. What happened to his sidekick, Mr. Producer? Oh, he's not there because of sexual harassment. And Joe Scarborough. Let me try and help these two morons. Once again, the matter is determined by the kind of mandate, the kind of appointment that a special counsel gets. If, for instance, you appoint a special counsel to investigate Hillary Clinton because of her possible violations of the Espionage Act, and that is the the nature of the appointment, and that is what's covered, that would be what we call constitutional. Mr. Hallerman! Mr. Hallerman! Hallerman! Now... If, on the other hand, you were to, say, be Rod Rosenstein and appoint a fellow by the name of Mueller, and you don't mention any individual, you don't mention any criminal statute, you actually violate Department of Justice regulations when it comes to what you do when you appoint a special counsel, and you give the special counsel such a broad mandate, that's different. It's what we lawyers call, Joe, country lawyer, fact-determinative. Mr. Mueller is an unconstitutional appointment because his mandate is virtually limitless and the oversight of his activities is virtually non-existent. Those are two of four crucial elements that the late Chief Justice of the Supreme Court, William Rehnquist, laid out in Marson versus Olson. And you clowns, Mika, Joe, and John, would never understand it. So there can be a constitutionally appointed special counsel, and in this case, an unconstitutional one. Now, I'm not done. I'll be right back. When the going gets tough, a tough get, Mark Levin. 
Call him now at 877-381-3811. Remember, you can vote, and they want you to vote. The Hall of Fame wants you to vote, the Radio Hall of Fame. You can vote for me at uh, text the number 500 to 96000. It's that simple. Uh, And you can also vote a second time if you go online to radiovote.com, and uh, you can vote there as well. And so they're encouraging you to vote twice on two different platforms and to participate, and they're encouraging us to tell you about it. I also want to thank many of our affiliates and many of the local hosts out there for, uh, for supporting this effort. I can't hear them all over the country, but I can tell you my buddy Chris Plant, my buddy Larry O'Connor, here locally, those are the two I heard, uh, have done so, and I appreciate it. And all over the country, I appreciate it. We have wonderful grassroots organizations that want to get involved. I can't thank them enough. But it's really going to be up to you, you Levinites out there. I'm not going to do a Levin search, because that seems like over the top. But if you'll jump in now or in the next little while, that would be a great thing. Again, on your cell phone, you text the number 500 to 96000. And you can also vote online in addition to by going to radiovote.com. And uh, you have to vote in both categories. I'm only in one, or your vote won't count. First category, you can vote for somebody or abstain. And in the second category, there I sit. What are they doing? They're taking the swimsuit away from the, uh, from the Miss America contest? Did you hear this? They're taking the swimsuit event out of the Miss America contest? So what are we watching exactly? No offense. There's a Mr. America. There's Mr. Universe. There's these weightlifters and all. So let's not, this isn't a sex thing or a gender thing. Well, so, you, so the swimsuit contest is out? Man, oh, man, is anything ever going to remain? Are all the traditions going to be killed? All of them? All of them. I think I'm taking a knee on that one, Mr. Producer. I think I'm taking a knee. I want to tell you about X chair. I'm sitting in it right now. I love this chair. It's my favorite chair. It's my favorite place to sit, more than my car, more than my sofa. And it's actually right at my desk. I put a picture up on my Facebook and Twitter sites. So you can see this amazing new X chair that arrived. And different colors and so forth. I picked a color that I like. Now, this X chair is not only the most modern and stylish piece of furniture that you'll own. It's luxuriously comfortable. It molds itself to my body, giving me ideal posture, which in turn gives me more energy. And you can hear it, right? Better concentration, more productivity than I ever thought possible. Don't waste another day in that generic chair you've been using. Maybe you bought it from a warehouse store or an office store or whatever, and they creak and they break. Get an X chair, and you'll feel the difference. You really will. And by the way, if you own a business, get them for your office. Get them for everybody. See how much your employees appreciate them and how productive they become as a result. And here's a special deal exclusively for you. And I know it's exclusively for you because I'm the only radio host that has these wonderful uh, manufacturer as my sponsor. Go to xchairlevin.com. That's xchairlevin.com. Go there right now. Get $100 off. That's xchairlevin.com. 
or call toll-free number 1-844-4-X-CHAIR. 1-844-4-X-CHAIR. Now, X-CHAIR comes with a 30-day, no-questions-asked guarantee of complete satisfaction. So there's no risk. Now, one other thing. If you go to xchairlevin.com right now and use code LEVINFOOTREST, that's xchairlevin, L-E-V-I-N.com. Go there now. Use code LEVINFOOTREST. You'll get a free footrest, which I have right under my feet right now. And I never thought I would need one, but it makes a world of difference. This chair and the footrest and you're set. So xchairlevin.com, xchairlevin.com, or I want to strongly encourage you to jump in just like I did, 1-844-4-X-CHAIR. 1-844, then the number 4-X-CHAIR. I know you're going to love this chair. I don't recommend anything to you that I don't like. Now, you heard the morning schmo, <clears throat> Mr. Schmo and the schmoes, but they weren't done. That this guy, Willie Geist, I don't know what the hell this guy does. He's the nerd of nerds. He's the nerd of nerds. And so here he goes. Cut eight. Go. It is sound and fury, but it is resonating with a lot of people, I think, because Donald Trump is laying the groundwork. He's, he's laying out the predicate for when the Mueller investigation is complete, when he presents his findings, Donald Trump will be able to point to a certain segment of the population and say, forget everything you're reading right now. Remember, he's corrupt. Remember everything I told you that it was unconstitutional. Remember what I told you that I have the right to do this, that and that I'm above the law. That's what he's doing. Not whoa, 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 whoa. Did Trump say he's above the law? Trump is not above the law. It's Mr. Mueller who's above the law. See, this is how perverse this has gotten. When I brought up the fact that the president can't be indicted according to the Department of Justice, now they're saying he's above the law. That's the position of the Department of Justice. It hasn't changed in nearly half a century. When I said, yes, the president of the United States can pardon himself, there's nothing in the Constitution that prevents it. I don't know how a court will rule, but I know that to be the case. Then they say he's above the law. He's not above the law. It's the pardon power. It's plenary. It's very broad. Then when I point out that Mr. Mueller's appointment, not every single special counsel, but this special counsel's appointment violates the appointments clause of the Constitution, Professor Calabrese made an overwhelmingly and compelling case, and I've elaborated on it. I've, I've expanded from there, but it's superb. And he points that out. Then it's the president keep saying he's above the law. Now, ladies and gentlemen, this is the Constitution. The Constitution is supposed to protect, depending on the individual, depending on the institution, from the mob. And right now we're dealing with the mob. The media mob, the Democrat mob, some Republican mob, the leftist mob. It's a mob. And the Constitution is there to protect our rights, to protect certain institutions, and in addition, to protect the presidency. The President of the United States is not the one violating the Constitution or threatening to violate the Constitution. Go ahead. 
the case, but generally to be able to tar what comes out of the investigation. And, and Jeremy, on this question of whether or not the investigation itself is constitutional, this is a theory that we've heard. This is he first time the president said it was yesterday in that tweet that the Mueller investigation itself is quote unconstitutional. But on talk radio, they've been making this case since the beginning. No, no, no. On talk radio, they haven't been making this case. I've been making this case on talk radio. So they'll mention names of terrorists. They'll mention names of mass murders. But they're banned from mentioning my name. I don't really care. I don't really care. But I'm the one who raised this. I'm the one who brought Calabrese on here. He's the one who sent me his opinion and we adjusted it to someone and so forth. We know that. So it's not just it's raised on talk radio, talk radio. It's raised by people who know the Constitution. Joe Scarborough never worked at the Department of Justice, let alone chief of staff to an attorney general. He was too stupid. Listen to the guy. He sounds stupid because he is stupid. Willie Geist. I don't know who he, who the hell is Willie Geist. Oh, there's Willie Geist. What was he, a librarian? No, nothing against librarians, but what, what does he have to add to this? And then we're going to Jeremy Bash. May I ask, who the hell is Jeremy Bash? Do you know Mr. Producer? See some homeless guy they dragged off the street with John Heilman? You know, Joe, you're a country lawyer, but, you know, you had an inadequate legal training because, you see, there's two parallel constitutions. That John Heilman, but I'll tell you what, ladies and gentlemen, let's have a hand for John Heilman. Yeah. Go ahead. Of Robert Mueller, we saw an op-ed in May, actually, in the Wall Street Journal that made this case. And that not that all special counsels are unconstitutional, but the argument goes that this one is because the powers that Bob Mueller has assumed are so broad. Do you see any? By the way, that was on my radio show yesterday and on Hannity last night. So these guys are like stalkers, aren't they, Rich? Okay, listen to Levin, because he's been trashing us. we got to get a clip, a clip on, uh, what's his name, talk radio there, that, that talk radio guy. Joe Scarborough isn't a talk radio guy, because he failed at talk radio. He really isn't a TV guy, because he has 12 viewers. I have a, Saturday, a Sunday show, rather, on Fox at 10 p.m. Eastern Time, that has a much larger audience than Joe Scarborough's show in primetime morning slots. And I don't have Willie Geist to uh, to be on my show. And John Heilman can't wait to hear this Jeremy Bash guy. Go ahead. Any significance? Do you give any credence to that argument? No, and it's really a silly argument, Willie. And it's one that's been swatted away swatted away by the federal judges in the Manafort case. No, 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 no. no. Who is this Jeremy Bash? This issue was not raised with the federal judge in Washington D.C. First of all, she's not the judge that would be relevant to this particular issue. But even if it's swatted away by a federal district judge, so what? The ultimate decision in this from the judicial perspective would be whom? What? The Supreme Court and at least five justices. I don't know how they would rule, but it's not a silly argument. It has been swatted away. Jeremy, if that is your name, go ahead with Jeremy. Uh, frivolous motions, in my view, from Manafort's lawyers saying basically that Bob Mueller has no authority to investigate Paul Manafort. Uh, and the, not- the, this is the stupidity that is burped up on the morning schmo. The lawyer sits there like a uh, baked potato and just listens to this. The issues raised in the Eastern District in the rocket docket of Virginia to Judge Thomas Ellis 
the third. And I don't know. We'll see what he does if he was just uh, full of it. Uh, had nothing to do with the appointments clause. They were arguing the scope of the appointment, that what he was doing didn't fit within the scope of his appointment. What I'm arguing, what Calabrese is arguing, I think the professor is with me on this, is that the scope itself was too broad. This is way too complicated for the low IQ crowd that sits around the table on the morning schmo on MSLSD. Go ahead. It's been debunked, and so the president is kind of throwing out... Ah, shut up, you idiot. You don't even know what the hell you're talking about. You don't even know what you're talking about. Hey, uh, Jeremy, uh, what do you make of this? Well, it's all silly. It's not even talking about the right thing. But what do you expect? That's why nobody watches that. I only play clips just to entertain myself, if not you. (laughs) Well, I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. You know, you don't owe thousands to the IRS, do you? Probably not. So you don't know the depths of depression and sleeplessness and anxiety my listener endured before taking my advice and calling Optima Tax Relief. He owed over $40,000 to the IRS with no way to pay, much less the interest and penalties that compound daily. He was in IRS crosshairs, aggressive collection calls, threatening letters. If you want to know what Optima did for my listener and how little he ended up paying the IRS, go to OptimaTaxRelief.com and watch his verified video and prepare to be impressed. Now picture yourself with your IRS nightmare in your rear view. That's what Optima does. They know that behind every tax problem are honest, hardworking people, families, homes, savings, paychecks that need protection. They've resolved over half a billion dollars in tax debt for clients. Why put yourself and your family through that? Visit my friends at OptimaTaxRelief.com or call 800-499-6300, 800-499-6300. That's 800-499-6300. Now, our friends at CNS, uh, they went to uh, a number of members of the Senate. And they asked these uh, numbers of the members of the Senate uh, what they thought about uh, this idea that the Mueller appointment, given the breadth and depth of his appointment, violates the appointments clause. Rand Paul, cut 17, go. Professor Stephen Calabrese of Northwestern Law School and Mark Levin have argued that Robert Mueller's appointment violates the appointment clause because he is a principal officer exercising at least the authority of a U.S. attorney but was not confirmed by the, but was not um, appointed by the president or confirmed by the Senate. Do you agree that Mueller's appointment is unconstitutional? I think they make a strong argument that uh, someone granted this much power is of the level that should be approved by the Senate. So I think that uh, Mueller should not have been appointed, and I think really we should set an example by not doing this again. Okay, so would you agree that it's unconstitutional? I'm afraid I'm probably not an expert in the exact whether this particular issue is constitutional or not, but I think there is a strong argument to be made that when you appoint somebody who's at this level that it should be something that's approved by the Senate. He's very, very good. Now, Jeff Flake, let's hear what he had to say. Cut 18, go. 
Professor Stephen Calabresi of the Northwestern Law School and Mark Levine have argued that Robert Miller's appointment violates the uh, appointments clause because he is a principal officer exercising at least the authority of a U.S. attorney but was not appointed by the president or confirmed by the Senate. Do you agree that uh, Mueller's appointment is unconstitutional? No. No, that's it. That's Flake. Because Flake doesn't care anymore about the Constitution or anything else, despite his propaganda. James Reich of uh, Idaho, Senator. Cut 19. Go. Professor Stephen Calabrese of Northwestern Law School and Mark Levin have argued that Robert Mueller's appointment violates the Appointments Clause because he is a principal officer exercising at least the authority of a U.S. attorney but was not appointed by the President or confirmed by the Senate. Do you agree that Mueller's appointment is unconstitutional? I can't answer that question. You can't answer that question? I I don't know. That's a... uh... That's a proposition of law that would require deep briefing on both sides, plus argument and then decision by a court. So until a court decides on it, you won't know what the answer to that is. But it is a legal, it is a purely legal question, not a political question. What's sad there is there's a United States senator that says he needs a court to tell him. Now, in the end, the way our system has come to work, or not, uh, that seems to be the way it goes, but a senator a Congress, a Senate, uh, they get to have an opinion, too. Roger Wicker, Senator from Mississippi. Cut 20, go. Excuse me, Senator. I have a question about the uh, Mueller investigation. Professor Stephen Calabresi of Northwestern Law School and Mark Levin have argued that Robert Mueller's appointment violates the Appointments Clause because he is a principal officer exercising at least the authority of a U.S. attorney who was not appointed by the president or confirmed by the Senate. Do you agree that Mueller's appointment is unconstitutional? I haven't had a chance to look at those uh, writings, so I'll be glad to do that. Thank you. Thank you. Well, there you go. We call that a punt. And then there's Johnny Isaacson of Georgia. Go. Uh, Professor Stephen Kabrassi of Northwestern Law School and Mark Levin have both argued that Robert Mueller's appointment violates the appointments clause because he's a principal officer exercising at least the authority of a U.S. attorney, but he was not appointed by the president nor confirmed by the Senate. Do you agree that Mueller's appointment is unconstitutional? No. No? Thank you. (laughs) So Isaacson, very deep thinker. He's moved left since he was elected. Flake, very deep thinker. Now, well, why? Now, I just said no. Don't want to look at it. Don't want anything to do with it. Just no. See, the framers just figured that, first of all, senators would be protective of their own uh, prerogatives, including uh, the appointments clause in which the Senate shares in the appointment of principal officers in the executive branch, but not anymore, not with Johnny Isaacson and Jeff Flake and so forth. I'll be right back. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. 74 years ago today, the 
invasion, the D-Day invasion began. Fifty years ago today, Robert Kennedy was assassinated. These events are not that long ago, you know. Um, MSNBC and CNN's fear-mongering in May against the president. Uh, Hat tip newsbusters. This is a montage of clips from those uh, carbon footprints that the president of the United States, of course, is threatening our country. Cut nine, go. The constitutional crisis alarm bells are ringing. But is anybody listening? This is leading to a constitutional crisis. Destruction of the constitutional norms. Constitutional crisis. Constitutional crisis. Could be a constitutional crisis. The president really wants a constitutional crisis. Constitutional crisis. Constitutional crisis. Perhaps constitutional crisis. Constitutional crisis. This is a shocking breach of democratic norms. This is an assault on the rule of law. This is an assault on the Constitution. This is unconscionable what Donald Trump is doing here. He is assaulting the FBI and the Department of Justice because he is meddling in the investigation of his own campaign. And Max, you're a Republican, aren't you? Making this a constitutional, 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 constitutional crisis. crisis. That's an attack on our Constitution. This is another violation of constitutional norms. Where did you fall in the year 2018 when the President of the United States tried to dismantle the Constitution? And you're going to have to answer that. This constitutional breach. Constitutional chicken. Constitutional crisis. Constitutional crisis. Trumpism's most powerful enemy, the Constitution of the United States. And then we're to constitutional crisis territory. We are in a constitutional crisis. Constitutional crisis. This presidency is kind of like a choose your own adventure where every ending ends in a constitutional crisis. Hmm. Well, there is a constitutional confrontation brewing, and you can thank Mr. Mueller, the Democrats, the media, and Mr. Rosenstein. Of that, there's no doubt. But see, this endless propaganda by the demagogues in the media would have you believe that the president is doing something. Well, what's the president done? That's unconstitutional. If a subpoena is issued that's unconstitutional, that's on Mueller. If an indictment is brought that's unconstitutional, that's on Mueller. If the appointment of Mr. Mueller is so broad as to violate the appointments clause of the Constitution, that's on Rosenstein. So what is it that the president's doing that's unconstitutional? And in every one of those cases, he'd have to go to court to battle over these issues. So what has the president done exactly that's unconstitutional or a constitutional crisis? The shoe is on the other foot. And the media are underfoot, underfoot of the left. That's what they are. That's what they become. That's who they want to be quite frankly. Now we have these law professors. I know they're smart because they're law professors. Uh, Politico writes that uh, a recently published letter that we've talked about from President Donald Trump's attorneys, who was leaked, apparently was written, I think, in January, February, that the president could not have obstructed the federal investigation into ties between his campaign and Russia's deeply flawed 14 prominent law professors and legal scholars said money in a pointed rebuttal sent to top lawyers at the White House. Now, these 14 prominent law professors, what makes them prominent exactly? I'll go through their names and you can tell me if you think they're prominent. 
They wrote in part, the office of the president is not a get-out-of-jail-free card for lawless behavior. Indeed, our country's founders made it clear in the Declaration of Independence. Now they like the Declaration of Independence. Now they like the Constitution. This is what I mean. These particular law professors, no doubt, spend all day in law school preaching to their students how rotten the Constitution is, how to disfigure the Constitution, how to get around the Constitution, and then claim whatever their policy and ideological objective is, is part of the Constitution. This is what law school is all about. I know I attended. Indeed, our country's founders made it clear in the Declaration of Independence that they did not believe that even a king had such powers. They specifically cited King George's obstruction of justice as among the injuries and usurpations that justified independence. First of all, that has nothing to do with anything. What applies here is the Constitution and the Pardon Clause, which was created in part based on the British experience where the king could pardon. Just so you know, you won't get these from the, this from these law professors. Our founders would not have created and did not create a constitution that would permit the president to use his powers to violate the laws for corrupt and self-interested reasons. Well, he didn't. He fired James Comey. How did that benefit him? He's had nothing but grief as a result of that. So what are they talking about? Among the better-known signers of the rebuttal, ladies and gentlemen, Harvard Law Professor Lawrence Tribe, who lost it a long time ago, in my opinion, former U.S. attorneys Harry Lippman and Joyce Vance, they're not of any particular knowledge, and former Obama White House ethics czar Norm Eisen. Well, of course we know Norm, don't we? Raise your hand. Of course you don't. Now, the letter was coordinated by Project or excuse me, by Protect Democracy, a watchdog group. Notice, it's just called a watchdog group, not a left-wing watchdog group, which is exactly what it is. Because Josh Gerstein, or Stein, whatever, over there at Politico is a hack. The scholar's letter argues that the Constitution's requirement that presidents take care that the laws be faithfully executed precludes the kind of sweeping arguments Trump private lawyers John Dowd and Jay Sekulow made in a 20-page January letter to Special Counsel Mueller. Congress has enacted obstruction of justice statutes that prohibit any person from acting corruptly to interfere with federal criminal investigations, the law professors wrote. Let me stop here. I'm not splitting here, so just follow me on this. First of all, no statute can trump the Constitution. Okay? That's number one. Number two, the obstruction that they're talking about has nothing to do with any criminal statute. If the president chooses to fire a subordinate like Mr. Comey, he's free to do so. And by the way, he didn't fire Mr. Comey to stop the investigation of quote-unquote Russia. That investigation was ongoing. Matter of fact, I would argue that Mr. Comey wasn't really in the business of investigating Russia and Russia's interference in our election. He was in the business of investigating Trump world, which they now tell us, of course he wasn't. There can be obstruction by a president. Let me give you an example. If a president is the subject of a civil lawsuit, and if the president is being deposed, and let's say the president's being deposed in front of a federal district judge, 
who came specifically to the deposition to protect the president. And the president, let's say, lied, that is, perjured himself, and took other steps to obstruct justice, then that's obstruction of justice. And there you have obstruction of justice in a civil case, not a criminal case. Mr. Mueller is a criminal investigator. But in a private civil case, there's obstruction. And I'm sure Lawrence Tribe, Harry Lippman, Joyce Vance, and Norm Eisen were all over the place saying that Bill Clinton, who did all that, obstructed justice. And yet Bill Clinton wasn't indicted. Why is that? You know why. I've told you a thousand times. What else do these fools, I mean these professors say? Whatever a president may have been able to do in the absence of such statutes, Congress's judgment that obstruction of justice is prohibited binds the president. I want you to think about this for a second. It's a very stupid letter, but I want you to think about this for a second. If the president of the United States can be subpoenaed to come before a federal grand jury, we have 93 United States attorneys. Can they all investigate the president? If there's an allegation made... Can some of them investigate the president? Can they issue subpoenas for the president to appear in front of grand juries? Can they all indict a president or some subset of them? You see the problem here? These professors are idiots. Excuse me. They're tenured. They must be geniuses. They were former prosecutors, and one used to work for Obama, so we know they're smart. So what this is is essentially an op-ed which is devoid of, uh, of actual history and law. They just throw around these uh, cliches. President's not above the law, but of course Mueller is. And stuff like that. But they don't really argue the points. Just as the president could not use otherwise lawful firing powers in exchange for a bribe without running afoul of federal bribery laws, he's not free to exempt himself from the application of the obstruction of justice laws. What does that mean he's not free to exempt himself? If the president is taking steps that are part of his powers, his prerogatives, how can it be obstruction of justice? See, this is the problem. They're throwing these, this phrase around and labeling him this way. Firing Comey is not obstruction of justice. Otherwise, there will always be a special counsel or U.S. attorney or an investigation any time a president fires one of these people at the Department of Justice. Where did it, when did it happen that the Department of Justice was independent of the rest of the federal government? When did it happen that the Department of Justice is independent from the president of the United States? As I said the other day, that's not the case. It's never been the case. There's a constitutional process here. The prosecutor if he had been constitutionally appointed, but he wasn't. If he had been constitutionally appointed, and if he was investigating the president for a specific crime, could in fact investigate the president for a specific crime. What he could not do is subpoena him to appear before a federal grand jury. What he could not do is get a jury, a federal grand jury, to indict him until after the president left office. So you can still investigate the president, but while he's president, he's president. And if the statute of limitations runs, too bad. But the impeachment power still exists. And the impeachment power is not based on anything criminal. 
And it's not as loose as other people say, well, it's whatever Congress says. No, historically, that's not the case. It is still a constitutional provision. It doesn't say, you know, if Congress doesn't like the president, they can impeach him. That's not the standard, historically speaking. Again, they borrowed it from, uh, from British common law. So we know the history of the impeachment clause. We know what the uh, framers said about it. We know the history of the appointments clause. We know what the framers said about it. And we know the history of the pardon power. We know what the framers said about it, but not specifically in the context of a president pardoning himself. Now, why would a president need to pardon himself if Mr. Mueller, in his case, is not free to seek an indictment of the president? Even putting aside the Constitution, the rules of the Department of Justice, the position of the Department of Justice says he can't. So the discussion is actually academic. That is irrelevant, that they keep bringing it up, so I have to keep addressing it. And then they say he's trying to act like he's above the law. No, he's not. The Constitution is the law of the land. He's pointing out. There's the appointments clause. He's pointing out. There's the pardon clause. And so forth. Oh, you can't do that. What are you, Bob Lola? You must be Erdogan. You must be a dictator, says the clown who goes by the name of Joe Scarborough. You can't miss him. He's the one with the bulbous nose. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Pennsylvania on the Mark Levin app. Go. Hi, I'm calling because I have uh, uh, questions about the um, U.S. Title 28600.6, the powers and authority of the special counsel. And it says that this special counsel shall have um, the full authority, uh, investigative and prosecutorial functions of any United States attorney. No, 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 no. You stop too fast. What else does it say? Um, Read the rest of it. Yeah, I I was reading the rest of it, and I pulled my hair out. It says within the scope of his jurisdiction. Yes, and that's the problem. There's no scope of jurisdiction. Okay, so let's slow down a minute. You you, you found an excellent um, uh, statute there, but it's within the scope of his jurisdiction. So they're not free to appoint the equivalent of a United States attorney, because that would violate the appointments clause. So you look within the scope of his jurisdiction. If the scope of his jurisdiction, his mandate, is so broad and so deep, and the oversight is limited if almost non-existent, then he is the equivalent of a United States attorney. And if you're equivalent of the United States attorney, or even close to the equivalent of the United States attorney, you are a principal officer of the United States government. That's exactly what I keep saying. I know, but even for them to suggest that this uh, special counsel shall have the full power and independent authority to exercise all investigative... No, no, no. There's nothing wrong with that. What they're saying is the mandate that you're given, you have the power consistent with the United States attorney. So if we ask you to investigate Statute X and Individual Y or Statute X and these 14 individuals, uh, you know, you can hire people under you. You can uh, bring uh, charges. You can issue subpoenas. Uh, That's all fine. It's the next part within the scope of his jurisdiction. If the scope of his jurisdiction 
is the equivalent of a U.S. attorney or something akin to it, that is unconstitutional. Got yeah, and then that has to be nominated and approved. Correct. And and then I'll just can I ask you? Oh, let me ask you one more thing. It says, except as provided in this part, the special counsel shall determine whether and to what extent to inform or consult with the attorney general or mm-hmm. others within the department about the conduct of his or her duties and responsibilities. Okay. That's just giving them a free card. If 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 someone's going to like self-regulate and say, I can talk to you if I want to or not. Well, that's true to a point, but um, like most United States attorneys, uh, they still have bosses. And presumably the special counsel still has a boss. But his boss in this case, Mr. Rosenstein, is almost completely hands-off. And he promised Chuck Schumer and the Democrats he would be hands-off. Very good, Charlotte. That's uh, 28 United States Code 600.6. Very good. Paul. South Portland, Maine, quickly, the great WGAN, go. Hey, Mark. Um, What I wanted to ask you about is there's more politics here and constitutional questions than than I could understand or answer. But what I do understand as a business person is that Trump does have reorganizational powers under the Constitution, and he can appoint people in some positions he can appoint without having to get Senate approval. Couldn't he use one of those? Yes, positions? and he points three. He has thirty-three hundred of those if he wants. Go ahead. Couldn't couldn't he use one of those to appoint an investigation of Mueller? Okay, why why would he do that? And then he would. Then why, he would why, why why the, the, let me? Okay, we'll be right back. Logic than allowed by law. The Mark Levin Show. Call now at 877-381-3811. So this staffer at the White House, Sadler, who apparently made a comment in what was supposed to be a private meeting about John McCain, which was really uh, seriously inappropriate. But the reaction is really an overreaction. You know, what's interesting to me is the left was more upset, not just the left. Washington was more upset with her and what she said than Ted Kennedy and what he did at Chappaquiddick. That's the truth. So she's gone, and uh, are the media satisfied? Everybody's satisfied? All good now? No, of course not. On to the next one. Mark, are you saying what she said is, of course I'm not. That's not even the point I'm making. Point I'm making, look at the two examples. You have Ted Kennedy, the lion of the Senate, who killed a woman. Or allowed her to die. Let me put it that way, more accurately. Allowed her to die. And um, you have another woman who made a a terrible comment. And I, I bet you she wishes she could take it back. And it was day in and day out, the drum beat on that. Anyway, the world is just so weird to me at this point. You know, it's no secret that I love my Casper mattress. Their engineers have done a marvelous job creating an exceptionally comfortable sleep experience. It's made falling into bed a whole, whole new experience. And if you get a Casper, you'll understand why it's not just my favorite mattress. It's the Internet's favorite mattress. 
Casper has three unique mattresses to help you sleep cool and comfortably year-round. The Wave is engineered to relieve pressure at 36 different points. The original Casper is more breathable and comfortable than ever, and the essential is innovation at a great price point. All mattresses are designed to coddle and comfort your every move, plus provide the perfect support for every position you sleep in. Discover why Casper has hundreds of thousands of happy customers like me. Try your Casper mattress for 100 nights in your own home with free shipping and returns. Go to casper.com slash mark and use code mark and you'll save $50 on the purchase of select mattresses. Casper.com slash mark. Use code mark to save 50 bucks. Terms and conditions apply. Let us see here. Uh, Margo, Columbia, South Carolina, the great WVOC. Go! Uh, Mark, I just want to thank you for your fight for liberty and our Constitution. And I just thought in regards to the athletes taking the knee uh, to protest social justice, that maybe an example would help the left that might be listening to this program and people that are a little slow on their thinking understand what we're talking about. As a public school teacher of 29 years, I was in the classroom at work, and even though I was a Christian and pro-life, I knew better than to wear a T-shirt to to my classroom that was promoting life. I knew better than to put up a poster and support those things because I wasn't on my time. I was on my boss's time. And I think that if that was the way it was presented instead of some uh, great thing that they're doing, maybe they should get out there and get in the communities that they're concerned about and get with some of the police and form some discussion groups and come up with some solutions instead of taking a knee, which accomplishes... And, may, and maybe some of them are. But so what? Uh, yeah. That doesn't mean you get to degrade the national anthem. It's the national anthem. It's the country's anthem. So, uh, you know, just show some respect. And uh, no, no, you don't understand. We're for social justice. No, no, you don't understand. You can be for social justice all you want. Uh, there's a there's a place for that and a time for that. All right, Margo, thank you for your call. Mike, Seattle, Washington, on the Mark Levin app. Go. Yes, sir. Hello. Uh, I couldn't um, disagree with Coach Kerr more. Uh, Donald Trump is not. Oh, do we have to call him Coach Kerr? Is that it? Okay, well, uh, uh, Donald Trump is not. Do they call Trump President Trump? I haven't heard one of them say President Trump. It's always Trump. Yes, sir. I, I agree with that. No respect. Uh, I think the prior president was the one who was trying to divide us, personally. You had the great Fred Dreyer on a couple of weeks ago, mm-hmm. and he made the point that uh, 50 years ago during the Vietnam War protests, riots, and assassinations, that we didn't have this. I'm 60 years old, a lifelong Cleveland Browns fan since the Jim Brown days. I did not watch one game last year, not one, and all I can do is thank God I have my Ohio State Buckeyes. Yep. There's a lot of alternatives out there. There really are. But, you know, uh, as I pointed out, Mike, earlier, these guys today are ruining the future for the, for the young men and women who are coming behind them. And they're also uh, abusing, if not destroying, uh, the foundation they're standing on that was built by the athletes before them. I agree. I agree, Mark. This is, this is why I consider Mike Jordan the greatest basketball player in history. Uh, they say, well, what about LeBron? Uh, I'd still say uh, he's the greatest basketball player in history, but it's more than just his unbelievable statistics and his winning percentages and the championships that they have. This guy was a class act. 
He was a class athlete. And uh, he just seemed to know what to say and when to say it. And didn't just get in your face about politics or presidents or anything of the sort. I mean, um, that's why I think a lot of people, you know, look at these, these, these prior athletes, whatever the race is, and have a lot more respect for them. Thank you for your call, sir. Stephanie, Annapolis, Maryland, the great WMAL. Go. Hi, thank you for taking my call. Um, you never cease to make me think critically, and I always learn something from you. Um, my question for you is about the pardon power and whether or not there is an implied check on that under the emoluments clause of the Constitution. Um, and if now, could... now, the emoluments clause would be something to the effect that a president uh, would be making money off his office, Right. Well, I don't know. So when you read the Emoluments Clause, it talks about how the president can receive a compensation that can't be increased or decreased. Right. And then it says he shall not receive within that period, meaning his term, any other emolument. Yeah, they mean a payment. Any, Any other asset, any other payment from the United States government to get around his salary has nothing to do with the pardon clause. It doesn't have anything to do with a personal benefit being conferred because no, of the that's office. not the personal. But they're ta- emolument. Look up the word emolument. They're talking about a financial benefit. In other words, the emolument clause has nothing to do with the other part of the Constitution, the pardon clause. Okay. And this is bouncing around all over the internet, by the way. Okay. What about Federalist Number Sixty Nine? where Hamilton is talking about the uh, powers of the president, where he talks about how even after impeachment, the president would be susceptible, liable to be prosecuted and punished. Nobody denies that. He, he absolutely is. Okay. How many times have I said he can't be indicted while he's president of the United States? Oh, I got that. Okay. When he's not president of the United States, he can be indicted. Well, if he pardons himself, then he can't be indicted. Okay. Hello? Yep. I I just can't reconcile that with what Hamilton is saying in the Federalist. When he's talking about well, there's America. nothing to reconcile. A president may or may not pardon himself. If he pardons himself, he's in the clear. If he doesn't pardon himself, uh, and there's an ongoing investigation, he's not in the clear, and he can be indicted afterwards. So why didn't Nixon pardon himself? Why did he, he didn't wait want for to. Ford to do it? I don't know. I don't, I'm not even familiar with their discussions. Hmm. But again, the left has raised that all over the internet. Well, Nixon didn't pardon himself. That's not the test, what Nixon did or didn't do. Nixon also went to the Justice Department to get an opinion on whether he could pardon himself. Are you aware of that? You were talking about it yesterday. Right. And they um, put out this pathetic two-and-a-half-page memo that doesn't say anything. No, there's no analysis to support what they're saying. Right. Um, but it feels wrong that the president would be able to do that. To I'm not, I'm not into feel. I'm into know. <laughs> um, have you read the pardon clause? I have. Yes, I have. And what is, and what it, is it, it, does it say the president can't pardon himself? It does not. It what does it does say? Uh, I don't it gives him right. plenary pardon power. On federal offenses, not state offenses, not civil matters. So criminal federal matters. 
doesn't say he can't pardon a family member. He can't pardon the vice president. He can't pardon himself. And I understand as a practical matter, the Supreme Court would decide. But that's the Supreme Court. It decides a lot of things I disagree with, some things I agree with. But since it wasn't addressed at the Constitutional Convention, you have to take the plain language. To say that a president cannot pardon himself is to say something that's not in the Constitution. To say that it doesn't say that he can't pardon himself is to read the plain language of the Constitution. So you have to weigh it. So where do you come down? Am I going to amend the Constitution or am I going to do my best to interpret the Constitution? Well, there's nothing in the pardon clause that even suggests a president can't pardon himself. Fair enough. Agreed. Agreed. Um, but if you read the, the documentation that was circulated and um, that was published at the time that the founders were trying to convince the American people to adopt the Constitution, there's at least nuggets in there that would suggest that that they didn't intend that the pardon power. Well, would... you're, you point to Federalist 69. Is that all you have? That's all I have. Yes. OK, that's not what that says. You're making an implication. The reason they argue on the impeachment, they take it from British common law, the reason they say impeachment has no connection to criminal issues is because it is a decision by the body politic to decide whether or not a president should be removed for a variety of reasons. Maybe he committed a criminal act in their mind. Maybe he didn't. Maybe he committed, uh, he did something, he's not uh, following through on something he needed to follow through in good faith and so forth. <clears throat> and, and you have those circumstances. Uh, so it's complete. Hold on now. It's completely distinct from criminal law. That is the the impeachment is a is in essence an indictment, but not a criminal indictment. And the Senate is the jury, although not a criminal jury, and they make the decision. So I get all that. So what what Hamilton is saying is, and he's not the only one. What they all say is, and it's because it's based on British practice and British common law. That doesn't mean when he leaves office you can't indict him, but the only way to remove him is through impeachment and the Senate voting to remove him. That doesn't mean he can't be indicted afterwards. Now, what you're saying is, yes, but if he if he pardons himself while he's in office, he can't be indicted afterwards. That's true. Interesting. That's true. But you oh, see, yeah. we've never reached this point. And the unconstitutional thing gets you an unconstitutional thing, gets you a constitutional confrontation, gets you another constitutional confrontation. That's why I'm doing my very best, whether it's on radio, Fox, Levin TV, to explain as we peel this back. Number one, the appointment's unconstitutional. Number two, he cannot indict a sitting president and anything that's related to that. He can continue to investigate. Uh, if he's a constitutionally appointed uh, special counsel, and then afterwards he can decide uh, whether or not to bring charges against private citizen Trump or private citizen uh, Obama or private citizen whomever, like any other citizen. But while the president's in office, he has the power to pardon himself. If you're saying, well, I know, but then why didn't they say this? Because they couldn't contemplate every single scenario. Hmm. All right, ma'am, you raised some very interesting questions. We'll be right back. Mark Lovin.
Lots of teens are looking for summer jobs, folks, providing their Social Security numbers on applications. Many are also spending more time online making purchases. That means they're at great risk of falling victim to identity theft. You know, you take lots of steps to protect your children, so don't leave them vulnerable to identity theft, which could cost them dearly. A crook can secretly use a child's identity for years, racking up thousands of dollars of debt in their name, and you might not find out until the teen applies for college loans. One million children have their identity stolen in 2017, and they're a growing target. My ID Care covers you for the nine types of identity theft, including child identity theft. And with monthly family plans costing far less than one family dinner, that is one family dinner out, you can breathe easier this summer knowing your family is protected. And only My ID Care has a 100% identity recovery guarantee if you do fall victim or your money back. Learn more and get 15% off at myidcare.com slash mark promo code mark. Myidcare.com slash mark promo code mark where it's easier than ever to enroll. Folks, uh, there's some folks out there who are promoting the Radio Hall of Fame vote and they've indicated that the vote ends today. That's not correct. The vote goes on. So I want to encourage you at the end of the program here, please, as you wind down your evening, if you'll uh, bear with me, if you'll text the number 500 to 96000 and uh, vote for your old buddy here, that's text the number 500 to 96000, uh, and you'll be voting. Uh, there's a number of candidates. You'll be voting for me for the Hall of Fame. And you might say, well, why are you lobbying us? Because they want us to do this, or I wouldn't do it. And so all the nominees are doing this. You can also vote online by going to RadioVote.com. Now, here's the thing. You can vote twice, once by text, once by going online. It's perfectly permissible. We have Chicago rules here, according to the Radio Hall of Fame. We check with them to make sure, because others were doing it. We said, wait, don't you just get one vote? They said, no. You can vote once by text and once by email. So I want to encourage you to do that. Again, you can text your vote. Text the number 500 to 96000. And you can vote there or and 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 go to radiovote.com radiovote.com one vote per email on that. Uh, there's two categories. You got to vote in both. So the one category is in front of mine. You can vote abstention or you can vote for an individual there. Then you go to the next category. You'll see my picture there. You just click my photo or the button next to my photo and then you submit it. All right. We'd appreciate it. As I say, I view this as a vote for us. As our, uh, as our group here. It's our Levin family, if you will. All right. Let's see who else we have out here. Robert, New York City, the great WABC. Go. Hello, Mr. Levin. Great to talk to you. Thank I you. Probably served, I probably served in the Navy for 15 years. The flag of the National Anthem means a lot to me. Yes. In, a, in the early 70s, I fell in love with Tom Landry and Roger Stahlback and followed the NFL ever since. Yes. That was up that was up until the day that I watched the game from the United Kingdom when those creatures stood, right, we, stood yeah, those football players. We don't call them creatures. Go ahead. Those football players stood up for God save the Queen and took a knee for our national anthem. Yeah, wasn't that amazing? That that it, 
it's heart heartbreaking to see that. Yeah, and awful. Correct. I may not be correct, but they do get paid in U.S. dollars, right? Yeah, right, exactly. All right, sir, thank you for your service. Quickly, Rob, Baltimore, Maryland, the great WCBM, go. Mark, it's been a thank you very, very much for taking my call, sir. Um, I'm just calling because um, I, I am a disabled veteran. I'm from Vietnam. I have, I do have neurological issues. I try to stay focused, but I've been listening to you for years. And anyway, what I want to say about the Mueller investigation um, is that when will it, it doesn't look like it's ever going to end? But you also got off track and you went to the Miss America pageant. And I guess, sir, America- I, I don't mean to, I, I don't mean to cut you off. I want to thank you for your service, but that music means I got to run. So give us a call tomorrow. We salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, and emergency personnel, and all of you folks out there, including Robert, very, very much. Thank you very much. I hope you'll cast your vote, and I'll see you tomorrow. Check out Levin TV, by the way. We'll be, we'll be back tomorrow.